If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. It's National Hispanic Heritage Month, and we're marking the occasion by talking with members of the Nemours Associate Resource Group, the ARG, known as Adelante. Joining me today to talk about the group's work are April Aguilera, Health Equity Inclusion Coordinator in the Office of Health Equity and Inclusion, Yvette Santiago, Director of Strategic Initiatives in the Delaware Valley Office of External Affairs, and Karina Chara, Value Stream Coordinator in the Emergency Department at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. For over five years, the Adelante ARG has been actively creating a diverse and culturally competent environment where all associates feel they have a voice and where the Latino-Hispanic families we serve feel their needs are being met. The group's name has particular meaning for this high-energy, forward-thinking ARG, as April Aguilera explains. We used to just be called the Latino-Hispanic ARG, but that was a very catchy so that came up with the idea of like giving us like a like a new name that was fun. And Adelante kinda of means like move forward in English. Because we want to move forward. We wanna build and progress. And I think our biggest goal is one, to make the needs of the Latino Hispanic associates and families understood and recognized at Namores. One of the other things is also to expand and build knowledge and awareness around the Latino culture. And how important that is when you're working with patients and families to understand a lot of the different cultural beliefs within our own um, heritage. And the other piece that I know, um, being in a leadership role, that uh, we also have as a key goal is to really advocate and help the organization move forward by advancing and hiring more Latinos in the organization, but also across various positions and including leadership. We see that as a huge gap that we can um, hopefully close one day. I think uh, we have a lot of work to do in that area, but it's definitely a key goal, not only for um, our ARG, but I believe the organization through its um, anti-racism task force is, is really focused on diversity. Why is that so important? Well, it's important for many reasons. One is we serve a lot of Latinos within our hospital and we do not have a lot of Latino associates. And so there's a gap there. Um, there's a language gap and there's also a gap in knowledge and awareness and understanding what potentially Latino families needs are. And you don't get that if you don't build your cultural competence in that area. Um, the other piece is, you know, we are a very spiritual heritage and sometimes we have, you know, key folks within our family that we rely on to help us make key decisions for family members. And sometimes if you're not aware of those things, you may be asking a parent 
for a caregiver to make a clinical decision for their child, but they will not because maybe they're waiting on the grandparent or someone else that is kind of like the nucleus of the family. And the other piece of which is, it's a known fact amongst us as Latinos is children often serve as interpreters for families. And so sometimes is not seen in the best, like, you know, some associates may say, well, why aren't they in school? Why do you have them interpreting here? And that is something that is a sensitivity issue, right? Because I grew up going to doctor's appointments with my grandparents and my parents, and I just missed school because I needed to translate at the doctor's office. And, and so sometimes, you know, there's a lot of concerns with that. Um, number one, uh, sometimes children aren't translating the information as properly as it should be translated. Kids are missing school, but families rely on their children because, of course, they love and trust what their children are going to say. And sometimes the trust factor is not there, you know, if you don't make them feel at ease and comfort and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Isn't there also a privacy issue there? Yeah. You don't want to talk to your, you know, uh, when you, especially like a teenager who might want to have more, more private conversation with a doctor, might not want to tell uncomfortable conversations with their parents about, you know, their sexual activity and stuff like that and and, and vice versa. I think in addition of all, we can do, we can serve better if we as Endomorphs associates, we're comfortable in this environment as well. So we can only, you know, do so much within the work or the area that you work. When I first joined the ARG, I was like remote from clinical areas, kind of like isolated in my own little world. But it was important to me because of my culture, because of my personality to connect with other people and have friends at work that look and talk like me and they like and enjoy spicy food like me, which is important for my life. Um, and when you don't have that connection of work, you can never connect other dots to to serve and to meet the goals, you know, like the ones that Yvette are, are uh, you know, springing up. So it is important to foster diversity in this case with the Latina community because that's our nature. We love to talk a lot with our food. We love, you know, music. And um it's important to have that connection at work, I think, so you don't feel isolated and then you can propel and and, and excel in everything else that we set as a as a mission goal for us. I know one of the things to get if I I just wanted to add because Karina makes a very valuable point. We lean on each other as close colleagues and Latinas about things we experience. We uplift one another and encourage one another when perhaps maybe we may be feeling a little bit down about something. But that culture is very important, right? Because to be diverse is one thing, but to be inclusive is a completely other topic. You can have a diverse organization. But if my voice is not heard, then I'm not included. And then there's no value in that. And so I think that's one of the things I know I often talk a lot about because it's important as as being one of the only Latina leaders. To me, it is very difficult at times sitting at those tables, um, trying to figure out the best way. And I don't I don't think people realize how much you have to think about how you say things and how you present information. Because you don't want to seen as as someone that may be too overly aggressive, you may be too passionate. You know, you want to make sure that the the information you're conveying fits to the dominant culture. And sometimes that dominant culture 
maybe a little bit more conservative. And so there's a lot of things that I don't think people really understand that we as Latinos, and I know African-Americans go through it as well, where you're trying to figure out 10 different ways how to say something. And then sometimes when you say it, it falls on deaf ears. And so it leaves you a little bit uh, more vulnerable, right? To begin to think, maybe I should say it again in a different way. How many times do I have to make this point so that I can be heard? And, you know, I think Carmina's point is is well taken. In terms of inclusion, what can people who are not part of Adelante or that Hispanic Latino culture, what can we do to make certain that everybody's included, including your ARG, members thereof? We have several people that come to the meetings who aren't Hispanic or Latino at all just because they want to learn and be helpful. One of our executive champions, the, is it the division chief of psychology, she's a, a white female. And she's one of the executive champions of our um, ARG. Just be willing to be open, ask questions, be a part of events. No one's going to ever be upset at you for wanting to know about them and asking questions about them. They'll probably be appreciative that you took the time to get to know them better. And I think, you know, I wanted to share advocacy is huge. You know, in my role of government relations, that's that's what we do, right? We advocate, advocate on behalf of children, you know, on behalf of the hospital to make things better. And one of the things that I have often said to a number of different leaders is the power of the white voice is undeniable. And we can talk about something and say it a thousand times over a five, six year, 10 year period. But if a person that is white has influence and stature in the organization and they say it, it is heard and is heard quickly. And so I always challenge our leaders to advocate, you know, for things that potentially are ARG or or advocating for or targeting events that we have. We want people to come to them because we can invite a thousand people. And if 10 people show up, that's great. 10 people showed up. But how are we really moving the needle as an organization? Right. If we want to build cultural competence and we want to highlight the culture, highlight ways in which we can better serve our patients and families and the people that need to be there to learn those things aren't there, then I I feel like we fall short as an organization. Mm -hmm. So what is the ARG doing to raise this awareness and raise this issue with the larger organization? We're working on a couple initiatives. We do our diligent work at the beginning of the year to align with the Nemours School. So, you know, we're not working on opposite directions. And one of the things that we are working this year is leveraging the voice of the family and patients and making sure that there's representation in our family advisory council. We are also identifying like mentorship opportunities because obviously, you know, we need to work on that pipeline to make sure that in order to have uh, an increased number of Latino members at the Morris that you also have to work on how to attract that population and, you know, how to share with the community. And, and obviously mentorship is, is a great way to meet that target. Other things are just kind of like part of, of what we have been doing for the last couple of years is that awareness and, you know, bringing some educational forms, whether it has been documentaries, uh, movies related to the Latino culture, events where, you know, we have music or we have trivias or, you know, just making it a little bit fun and showing 
ways where you can learn and support and just say, oh, yeah, I totally recognize you or, you know, even, you know, promote our ARG. The stronger we are, the better we're going to be to serve. And, and, and to add off what Karina say, you know, it, it has been challenging over the last year and a half because of COVID, right? So we're all remote. Prior to that, you know, one of the things we were doing to inform broader leadership around our goals and what we're trying to do to garner their support is we used to meet with them quarterly, right? It would be the leaders of the ARGs, our executive champions, and then other members of the leadership team. But that was prior to COVID. I, I would imagine that once we return back to some type of normalcy at one point, that we would probably pick that back up again. And then the other thing, and we I think we did this once or twice, is we did a newsletter kind of highlighting different things just to get it out to folks. But the other piece is we also set up kind of like a newsstand in our cafeteria. And we worked with our local media outlets that that published the bilingual newspaper. So it's English and Spanish. So anybody can pick that up. Our intent was that folks that work in the hospital could pick it up and read it over lunch. But also our patients um, and our families, when they go to the cafeteria, some of them may or may not be from this area. So it allows to give them more information about kind of like the local area. And so I think we've done things like that. We try to be as creative as possible so that people don't get tired of the same stuff. Interestingly enough, we typically try to do a couple of different events a year. But this year we did Spanish Jeopardy mm-hmm. because we're home first. And, and unfortunately, Karina and I, we couldn't be there. And, and April led the charge. And I, I want to do it again because I heard a lot of positive feedback. It was fun and educational. Yeah, yep. I found a website where you can where it has like a, a Jeopardy board, and you put your own questions and answers in it. So I I put a bunch of things about like certain words, like what's this word mean in English, or what's this word in Spanish? History, pop culture, food. I mean, it was a variety of things. And I tried to make some easy and some hard, some multiple choice. So that way you didn't have to be Hispanic, Latino to get them right. Then we gave prizes to the top three people. It was really fun. It sounds like it. A couple of times we've mentioned patients and families. So let me focus in on patients and families who are Hispanic, Latino. What needs do they have over and above culturally, physically that you've identified that maybe need addressing in, in a different or more concentrated way? Language is number one. I w- that would go with the spoken language. That would go with signage in the hospital, discharge instructions, anything where you would read, write, or be spoken to. It has to be in a language that they understand and at a level they understand. I wanted to say we're working on a potential policy initiative, and we started that work this year, and that is advocating for health care for all kids. So regardless of your citizenship status, you would qualify for um, health coverage. And so we know that we have children that we serve that are not U.S. citizens. And we know not all of them are Latino, but most are. And as a result, you know, they the, their lack of health care coverage does not enable them to get the necessary care at home with home health care services. These are from really medically complex children. Um, and so as a result, they, you know, we have to keep them in our hospital when we know probably the best place for them is at home with their family, in the comfort of their home with their loved ones. 
And so um, because of lack of resources and lack of health care coverage, you know, that doesn't happen. And also being able to get specialized care if you need it. We know that there are times where families can't afford to take off of work, can't afford to pay the copay. So there's a number of different things related to that. And so part of that policy is to try to advocate for all kids to have health care coverage and to make it more accessible um, and affordable so that kids get the care that they need in the time frame that they need it. I remember growing up, going to the doctor only for the free appointments. Mm-hmm. Anything else, it was a home remedy. My mom will like have this little book that my grandma gave her with how to use aloe vera, you know, how to use all these herbs. And, and, and that's my doctor. And so I feel like we should have that, that broader perspective of, you know, when we see a patient, if you add in addition to that, you know, cost. And legal status, you may see patients, you know, not at the beginning of, you know, the first few days with symptoms. This could hit being, you know, a chronic issue just because either cost money or could be a threat for your family, you know, if, if you have a, an interest in legal status currently. So I, I just feel like that to me, it's, it's one of the things to be aware of, of to not judge and just really take it from how you can help when you, you when the patient presents to the do you see that as a source or one of the sources, perhaps, of any health disparities that are prominent in the Hispanic or Latino community? Let's talk about that a little bit. The, the disparities, they're there. Statistically, we know this. I would say it's childhood obesity um, and diabetes are like the top two, at least from my um, interactions with various physicians that are in charge of our community practices that are serving that population. But one of the other key pieces is also, and this is not specific to the Latino community, but for all kids, is emotional and behavioral health. That is a key, key issue. I mean, it's becoming more and more pervasive across all ethnic groups. It doesn't matter where you live, where you come from. Um, Many of our kids are facing a lot of traumatic experiences, either at home, at school, or in their community. And so when I met with Dr. Vernick, who is our physician in charge at St. Francis, those were the top three that he mentioned that he was extremely concerned with in their Latino children. I know Karina does a lot of work also in the emergency department. I don't know if she has more that she'd like to add related to that. Yeah, I mean, obesity is definitely top diagnosis. Bronchiolitis is another one that is recurring. Asthma, you know, kind of along the lines of the respiratory just because of the teaching and, uh, you know, like the medication and, and really making sure that you go home and you follow up the instructions to the T and the, in the way that it was instructed. Along the same lines, it's, it's as well with diabetes. It's a very complex diagnosis and like going home and know exactly when to do and the insulin and how to do it and, you know, how to follow up the instructions. is. It's complicated and the language is definitely one of those biggest barriers and like just addressing what, what Ivan is saying about the mental health issues. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of burden for, for these kids and yeah, there's just a lot about that. What is one thing you'd love for your teammates, your fellow associates to know about the ARG, about the community right now, top of mind that they can take away from this podcast? I would say the more the barrier, we're welcome. You don't have to be a Latino to be uh, part of the Latino um, ARG. We're fun. Mm -hmm. We're productive. And we're here to help. Yeah. As long as they care about Latinos uh, and Hispanic associates and patients, then 
doesn't matter with their background at all. I'll just echo, you know, the same thing. But I think for people that aren't as familiar or haven't really been engaged with ARGs, to maybe make that as um, both a personal and professional goal, right? Whether it's our ARG or another ARG. Because really, this is what we call discretionary effort, right? This is falls under the other duties as assigned. We are a part of this because we know how important this is. And we're ambassadors to try to make a change and to build education, knowledge, and awareness, you know, across, you know, our associates, our families, and our leadership team. And um, we can't do it by ourselves. And we need all the help that we can get. The more people that become engaged and the more people that show interest and want to be a part of this, I think the further we will go. Mm -hmm. Your community is far from a monolith. The people who are Hispanic or Latino come from all sorts of Spanish-speaking countries across basically the the Northern Hemisphere. And cultures are slightly different in each Mm -hmm. place. Um, How do you address the various cultures even within your own ARG? We have a large, I think the majority of the Latino community here for Puerto Rico. And uh, I the the first time that we had an event, like in a, in the atrium, that's when I noticed, like, oh wow, I'm the minority. <laughs> but I did notice when you see somebody from your same country. I mean, your eyes just like just right up and like, oh, or you're from Puerto Rico, you're from Colombia, you're from Guatemala. We, particularly, you know, in in my case, I have learned so much from the other cultures. To me, it's so interesting. I, I don't, um, foresee like, you know, one being better than the other one or, you know, what get more attention than the other one. Mm-hmm. I particularly have learned so much and it has been in these cultural events where, you know, everyone brings their own piece from their country, whether it's food or beverages or, you know, knowledge or funny words or whatever the, you know, the case might be. I feel it has been a point to, we're all Latinos and yeah. there's no um, borders. Yeah. And I can tell you, you know, even for, for those of us that are from the same country, when we come together, it's like we've known each other for years. We're from the same families. Yeah. It's this level of comfort that is just feels good to be amongst people that, you know, okay. have very similar backgrounds and, and all that. But one of the things I did want to share is, a lot of Latinos that work at Nemours work at Nemours in really in our service industry, right? Whether it's environmental services or in our in our food service program. And I think one of the things for me as an individual, it is extremely important that when I see those folks in the hospital, I always stop to talk to them. I always stop to ask them how they're doing. And it is because, you know, growing up, my parents were in that line of work. And one of the things I always remember my dad always said was never forget where you come from. And so it is to me, it is a matter of pride for me to just talk with them. You know, and it's interesting because one one gentleman, he's an older um, Puerto Rican gentleman and he works in our facilities department. And I think it was his wife and and daughter were at the hospital for something. And, and he was so excited. I happened to be walking by. He was so excited to introduce me to his wife. And to his daughter, because she was like, you know, she's one of our leaders here at the organization. She's one of the big dogs. And I'm like, (laughs) exactly. But 
okay, you know, but, you know, they see me as someone that is in the leadership part of the organization. And I am, I'm not in the C-suite, but I am part of the leadership team. But for me, that is so important, right? To always speak to the folks that are helping maintain the operations of our facilities and our building. And I talk to them every single time I get a chance. I talk with them because it's so important to me. It is so gratifying. And I always ask them, is there anything I can do to help you? Right? Because I know that when you're in that service industry, you're probably not going to share about things that could be improved on or things that you're having challenges with. And I am a voice for them. And many of them can't participate in our ARG because, you know, of the, the nature of their position. And so that allows me to be able to get information and share it and, and be able to move it, you know, to the right person to say, hey, you know, I kind of heard this today. You know, can you do some follow up or, you know, that kind of thing. So I just I wanted to share that because that's part of I know who I am and I know uh, it, deep down inside. I know Karina and April are in a similar place. Yvette Santiago, Karina Chara and April Aguilera discussing Adelante, the Hispanic Latino ARG here at Nemours. In all, there are five Nemours ARGs, including those for caretakers and women at work, as well as the African Heritage ARG, Nemours Pride, and the Asian and Pacific Islander ARG. If you're looking for more information on the ARGs or on health equity and inclusion in general here at Nemours, visit Nemoursnet or email the Office of Health Equity and Inclusion at ohei at nemours.org. That's O-H-E-I at nemours.org. Week after week, we're putting you in front of the microphone to tell your story. It's an important part of what we do here at Nemours, and we'd love to hear your story. Reach out to us at podcast at Nemours.org with your idea, your story, and we'll be in touch. That's podcast at Nemours.org. Our production team includes Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turners Falls, Massachusetts. The podcast is available on Nemours.net and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. On behalf of April Aguilera, Yvette Santiago, and Karina Chara, I'm Carol Vassar. And we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.